Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros. With your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now, here's Balky and Blubber. <laughs> What is up, Astros fans, and welcome to episode 77 of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. If you do not recognize that tune in the background, that is the theme song from the late 70s, early 80s, nighttime television drama, Dallas. And that is on because the Astros are in Big D this weekend for a huge midseason series against the division-leading Rangers. I'm Jeff Balky alongside my partner, Jeff Blum, who's already in uh, Dallas or some lame adjacent suburb. And uh, I will be there in a few hours and at the game tomorrow. So why not have a little fun with the Dallas theme song at the expense of the South Oklahoma fans? After all, Blummer, how are you this morning? <laughs> well, I'm tired. Uh, we got in about 2 a.m. So that's where I have bet my you are. morning voice. Yeah. God, I can't imagine after that game last night. Uh, it was kind of a long game uh, for good reason, I guess, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Stitcher, of course, on YouTube. Give us a follow on Twitter and on Instagram at Believe in Astros. And you can find me at Jeff Balky, Blummer at Blummer27, pretty much everywhere on social media. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, so you're alerted to brand new videos. And thanks to everyone for giving us five stars and leaving reviews on Apple. I really appreciate everybody being consistent about still listening to us. There have been some down Astros times, Oof. unlike uh, what we've had in years past. And so I really do appreciate everybody uh, sticking in there with us and and uh, and keep listening. It's uh, fun, and uh, I hope it's fun for you guys. No, um, hey, fa- fans are the best part of this whole thing, no matter what. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here's a question yeah. for you, because we love getting questions. Is a perfect game actually perfect when it involves the Yankees? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Because there was a perfect game, but but was it really perfect? uh, I mean, it was the 24th of all time, but it was the Yankees. And it was against? So, I don't know. 
It was against the oh, A's. Oh, the Oakland A's. Yeah. That's the thing. Does it really even? Does it really even count? Yeah. Does it really even count when it's against the Oakland A's? I don't know. I mean, how much? How much more salt can you pour onto the Oakland A's wounds? I don't know, man. Uh, you know, have a perfect game thrown against them, but at the same time, it's cut the the ir- irony of Domingo Herman doing anything perfect, right? Is what exactly. gets me. Exactly. I mean, it's not like it's not like we got a hero out there throwing mm. a perfect game. Uh, far from it. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> yeah, baseball's crazy. I saw somebody man. yesterday tweeted out that they uh, they said, you know, if you don't like that he got a perfect game, then you should just stop watching baseball. I'm like, or you could just believe and think whatever you wanted and still do anything you like because that's how the world works. I'm watch you know? Yeah, exactly. Watch baseball as long as you want. Zip yeah, it. Yeah, Yankee fans. Come on, man. Okay, before we dig into this Rangers series, which is mm. obviously a big deal for this for, for both teams, really, at this point, uh, certainly more so for the Astros, given that they're five games back, let's talk a little bit about the dismantling of the St. Louis Cardinals. Um they just ruined them last night. 14 nothing. Kyle Tucker had a three-run bomb, five, five RBIs. <laughs> Alex Bregman hit another grand slam, albeit against a position player. Um, Yiner Diaz and Corey Jolks, both with three hits. Jeremy Pena with two. Jose Abreu, a couple more RBI. Uh, Ty France looked good again. Is Ty France currently the Astros ace? Terrifying to think, but... JP uh, <laughs> Oh, sorry. France. Hi, Francis Seattle. Why, I even wrote that in my notes that way. How embarrassing. Jesus. It's morning here you in know, America. It, I know. And I'm the 2 right. a.m. guy, so you, you got a good night's rest. No excuse <laughs> for you. That's fair. <laughs> Did you see – do you know who Din Man, Din Man is? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, yes. He's a great yes, yes, follow. Yes. Yeah, he is he – is, He's a you know descendant of uh, Roy Hoffheim. That's the right. Who yes. got the Astros and the Astrodome yes. and everything. He had a great tweet. He said, uh, he said that uh, the Cardinals went to London and split their series and came home and lost the revolution to France. <laughs> That's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. I, sent I my, thought that was well played. That was well played. I, I, I sent my buddy uh, a meme of a little kid screaming, Vive la France, last night uh, during the game. I mean, just... Just outstanding. <laughs> um, with the Rangers' loss, that's the Astros are now five back of the South Oklahoma Rangers uh, with four games in this weird wraparound series. Mm-hmm. Um, we said we wanted to see the Astros coming into this series riding high. I mean, this is about as good as it gets coming off this Cardinal series. I mean, my goodness, they obliterated St. Louis back. First of all, the first time this year they've scored double digits and won the next day. And this time they did it with double digits in a row. 10 and 14. My goodness. So there's hope that there is hope that this offense can get going without Jordan Alvarez. Now, you got to keep it in perspective, too, because the St. Louis Cardinals, they are a terrible pitching team. And it got really exposed uh, over yes. this week, over this series with uh, with St. Louis. But at the same time, if you're going to go in and pad some stats, it was a great time to do it. you got great pitching. I think J.P. France is one of those surprise guys this season. Uh, you know, he was already, I think, second in American League rookie ERA. Now with a seven inning shutout, that's going to go even lower, which is kind of fun to watch. And mm-hmm. the offense exploding has been fantastic. But you're right in this, you know, carrying that momentum into a weekend where you're playing against your division rival and you're playing against the leader in the division. It makes things very interesting because TK brought up something during our broadcast that really kind of shot out to me. 
the Astros have the potential to be either one game back or nine games back after these four games. And that kind of like, that's where the eyes open a little bit and you go, oh, damn, this is a big series. I heard him say that. And then I heard you say you hate the four game series because you end up with a split and come out exactly where you are when you started, which, yeah, that's so annoying. Yeah, or you, or you end up kissing your sister and just pl- keep playing. <laughs> exactly. It's so ridiculous. But I, you're right. I mean, it's a, it's a huge series for the Astros. And, and, and look, also we should note Rafael Montero with two innings of perfect work, uh, which is a really good thing to see. Obviously, we were looking for a blowout to get him some time magically one appeared and he delivered so good for him maybe that'll help him you really hope it does you know and yeah he faced a good part of the lineup he really did also yiner diaz you guys mentioned this on the broadcast last night he is just so much better when he's catching at the plate than when he's dhing i mean what what is that blummer like from a player's perspective what what sort of sets that apart? Like, why would that be? Because uh, you don't dwell on your at-bats when you're DHing. When you DH and you have a bat at-bat, you're watching the iPad, you're going upstairs, you're taking more swings, you're trying to correct it before your next at-bat. And all, you know, things just kind of spiral and stay on that one side of the plate as opposed to going out and playing defense and you're able to, you know, check out from your offense and go, okay, I got to play some defense, I got to call some pitches. And then all of a sudden you're, you're re-engaging your next at-bat and you just go from at-bat to at-bat instead of just letting one at-bat carry over into the next three. And knowing that Yanner Diaz is catching, how about him Him catching seven innings, eight innings, nine innings of a shutout? He caught a shutout yesterday, and I think that should be recognized. Yeah, and I listened to the, the early part of the game. I was out uh, running a couple errands, and so I was listening to uh, Robert Ford and Steve Sparks on the radio broadcast, and they brought up something a couple of times where they said that there was a double play kind of early. I think it might have been in the first inning. Uh, and right after the, the guy hit into the grounder, France like pointed – right at um Yiner Diaz like that was a great that was the right call in the right spot mm-hmm. ended up in a double play they get out of the inning clean uh and they also mentioned I don't know if you saw this but in their 70 games the Cardinals have had a uh, have had a an inning where they didn't go one two three in the first inning yeah. only 14 times in 70 games that's crazy <laughs> I mean, that is some insane stuff right there, you know? So yeah, they they were obviously beating up on a, on a bad team, but still, Hey, beat up, do what you got to do. Right. Oh no. I I said, even when Alex was up there against uh, Burleson, who is a position player pitching and he had the bases loaded and he proceeds to hit his grand slam, you know, his third grand slam of the season. I said before the pitch, I'm like, get greedy, man. You know, this is, you're not, you know, if you put yourself in a position to face a position player, you've done good things, but you can't stop. These are these are days where you need to go out and pad those stats, get your numbers, and really create that momentum that we're talking about going into this series against Texas, because nobody's feeling sorry for that guy on the mound. You know, th- this is just a product of what you were able to do earlier in the game. So why not continue the continue to go out there and put up numbers? And he uh, he went out there and hit that grand slam, and I was like, hey man, you you, you go up there and just tube fastball. You're going to get crushed, and that's what happened. And let me tell you something, Lumber. You're not kidding. I mean, he went up there and absolutely annihilated that baseball, too. It's not like he went up there and, like, it wasn't like it just barely got over the fence. I mean, he crushed Mm -hmm. 
that ball. Um, and so, hey, good on him. Also, let's take a look at this. Look at Jose Abreu's numbers in June. Now, this is as of after Wednesday night. So this does not include what mm-hmm. happened last night. <clears throat> but he is, his slash line is 292, 305 on base, 517 slugging, and 822 OPS. By the way, since Jordan went on the IL, he's over 900 OPS, which is just wild. He's got five home runs, five doubles, 19 RBI, now 21 after last night. But this is the thing that really got me. His hard hit percentage is 34%, and 70% of his hits have come either to center or right field. That just tells me the guy is seeing the ball. Yeah, the swing is in a good place. You know, he kind of shifted his weight to begin his at-bats and has set up kind of that backside. The hips are flying through there, bringing the hands through nicely. But, you know, the the barrel rates are kind of what signed Jose Abreu in the past. You know, he was a, he was a barrel monster in 2022. He was a hard-hit percentage type guy. Now we're starting to see it. You know, if he finally got to the point, it feels like where he got fed up, and now he's starting to drive the baseball. But I also think it's a veteran who recognized a moment, you know, recognized the moment was his because Jordan Alvarez is not there. And he took the bull by the horns and said, you know what, it's time for me to contribute. And we're starting to see why we signed Jose Abreu to this, to this contract. And hopefully this maintains itself throughout the course of the season, because if he's hitting the way he is and you get Breggy going the way he is, and you add a Brantley, if you add a Jordan Alvarez, all of a sudden you've got a ridiculous offense. I mean, we have been living on what could be with this lineup and we're starting to see flashes of Jose Abreu that we want to see. Yeah, I think that's completely correct. And he's finally sort of turning into the guy we hoped he would be. Maybe it took a little bit longer um, than we expected. Somebody mentioned on a a sports radio show, I think it was Michael O'Connor, who really does a good job covering the Astros. He mentioned that uh, the Astros typically, like in seasons past, have really sort of gone through a swoon in July into like early August this year, he said, maybe they're just going through it early. And, uh, and, but you know, they've always come roaring out in like late August and into September where they just go, they go nuts. And so maybe he's right. Maybe this is just a, you know, the dog days of summer come a little bit early for the Astros and, you know, they're getting ready to start going on a tear. No, I think that's a definite possibility because they've just kind of been, you know, they they played into November, you know, the lockout situation, you win the World Series, you know, that first week in November, you're kind of riding that high. And as soon as you get off that high, you realize it's December. And in a month, you've got to turn things up again and get ready for spring training. You have a full spring training. You have the WBC. There were so many things going on that they haven't really had a chance to get their feet under them. So I feel like they've kind of been dragging their feet a little bit this season, uh, trying to figure out, you know, what they're going to be able to do. And they understand that they're not going to, you know, they can't just show up and win games. They've got to go out there and play hard. And maybe that idea of playing hard is starting to kick in a little bit. And the belief is coming back to these guys. Yeah. I mean, it's, let's hope so. I mean, that's, that's what I, that that's obviously that's the thing we are all hoping for at this point, you know, hope springs eternal, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that it was, it's worth noting that Dusty Baker has yet to name his starters for games three and four of this series, which would presumably be Framber Valdez and then Christian Javier. He did say Christian hasn't been himself lately, which I think we've obviously seen. Um, 
But I, you know, I kind of started to think about it. I looked at the, I looked at the layout of the schedule. I mean, the, the, uh, all-star games on July 11th. So theoretically, if you wanted to rest Christian Javier, you could keep him out of probably two starts and then he'd get almost three weeks off. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to do that, uh, I'm sure the Astros don't really want to do that because then they're going to have to figure out how to fill that spot, maybe with uh, Dubin or as we, I guess we were talking about last time that we weren't even sure if Dubin was still on the roster. We're like, well, I guess he is. So I'm like, so I'm like, Oh, it's time to, it's Dubin. Um, you know, uh, all the, no disrespect mm-hmm. to Dubin. Um, but uh, yeah. So I, you know, if they wanted to, they could certainly do that, but I don't know. Is that even a realistic expectation? I mean, what, what do you think we're headed with all that? Yeah, it's it's crazy because you know there there is an opportunity you know in this series against Texas you know if you look at that Saturday game that third game that you're talking about which should be Frombers now Frombers looked a little fatigued maybe Sunday a little bit. Sunday right or sorry yeah it's going to be a Saturday Sunday would be that yeah. third game in this series sorry and then uh, you right. know the wraparound being Monday would be uh, Christian's start it would be Fromber and then Christian in a normal rotation but at the same time if you're able to maybe I don't. I don't even think a bullpen day would be a, a Sunday situation for the Astros. You know, it would be nice if they could get Dubin to go five. If they could f- bring Belak back somehow, I don't know what kind of roster move they would have to make to make that happen to give Belak maybe five innings and then back him up with a Seth and uh, and see what they could do from there and then start Fromber on Monday to give Fromber the extra day off. I think that would be smart if they were able to do that. Obviously, the powers that be and the coaching staff and the front office are a little bit smarter and know what moves they can make to make that happen. But at the same time, I think it would really behoove them and would make Christian Javier better. I think it would the extra day would really benefit Fromber Valdez to get his arm a little more, one more day to recover and pitch in that last game of that series because the Texas Rangers are coming at you full throttle. They adjusted. They went bullpen day yesterday. They lost that game to Detroit because they wanted to set up John Gray, Avaldi. Uh, can't remember who's going in that third game. And then you've got Martin Perez. So, I mean, they, they strategically set up their rotation to match up with the Astros yes. and take it to them. So, I think if the Astros are able to manipulate, you know, Fromber and maybe that Sunday game uh, to get a better Fromber, I think that would be a good idea. Yeah, it, it's funny you mentioned that the manipulating their line. They did it almost kind of like the way you manipulate it before a playoff series. Yeah, I mean, they were like, uh, we're going to make sure that we've got our best guys out there. So that was pretty interesting. I, I wanted to talk just a little bit about um, something that, you know, we've talked about the injuries. And, you know, we, we had some, obviously, there were some complaints that we've had in the past about how the Astros have been performing. But I wanted to talk a little bit about sort of the cascade effect that occurs with injuries. Um, this is something uh, that I, I've been thinking a lot about since we, since our last podcast, you, you kind of alluded to it at that time, but the fact that like when Jose Altuve is in the lineup, this is a different ball club mm. than when he's not, when Jordan Alvarez is in the lineup, this is a different ball club than when he's not. And when those things happen, it's not just the impact because they're getting hits and they're hitting home runs. It's the impact on every other guy in that lineup, how they 
lead to better performances from others because of the positions they're put in and how the bench suddenly gets deeper oh, yeah. in case you do need to go later and dig in on a, you know, and get a pinch hitter. So I, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how the injuries don't just affect the, the one guy and how it doesn't just like, oh, we took the one guy out of the lineup, so we're losing his production. But you're also impacting the rest of the guys and their production as well. Well, think about it. When you're Don and a Brantley come back, even a Jose Altuve, we've seen this happen where he hasn't, you know, Dusty, uh, for whatever reason, has compared it to a spring training for him. I think we're past the point where Jose Altuve is in that spring training mode. Now you're just trying to protect him. Uh, he had the heel issue. He had the oblique issue. And you start mm-hmm. to plug these guys back in. But when you do get your Don back, he's not going to be able to play every single inning of every single game until the end of the year just because he's back. You've got to be able to protect him for the long haul. When Michael Brantley gets back, he's not going to play every inning, have every at bat in every single game. You've got to protect him and make sure that he's ready for the you know for that stretch run in August, September, into October when you do make the playoffs. And that's where I think the value of what he's been able to get out of a Corey Jolks, Jake Myers, Chaz McCormick, uh, Yiner Diaz, uh, Mauricio Dubon to that fact. You know, these guys are yes. going to be valuable guys yes. down the stretch because of the experience they're getting in the first three months of the season. And it's going to be frustrating for those guys. But at the same time, those are going to be valuable guys who have created experience that won't be overwhelmed when they come in on a pinch hit or have to come in because of an injury. Hopefully that isn't the case. But if they do have to come in because of an injury, they will be more than prepared because all of these guys are getting 200, 250 at bats or plate appearances that have gone into that database or that you know that uh, savings account that they're going to use later in the season because they're going to yeah. have all this experience and they're not going to be overwhelmed by situations because they played so much early in the year. But you're right in the sense that if when these guys come back healthy, what you're able to put on the bench is going to be invaluable down the stretch because those guys are going to play key roles down the stretch. And that's how you keep those guys engaged, too. You say, you know what? You played well enough to play every day, but I've got an MVP and an all-star that are going to be playing in front of you. But when those guys falter or if we get late in the game and I need you to pinch run, pinch hit, you damn well better be ready because I'm going to be counting on you. And that's how you keep those guys engaged. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And, and, and let, you know, we can play a little of this game too. Like, what does the Astros lineup look like? When Jordan and Brantley are both back in it, not just how good it looks, but think about the lineup. So let's assume for the moment that Yiner has earned more time, which I think we both agree he has. If that's the case, then you've got to start thinking, okay, so we're going to go, let's do our straight up lineup like we did before. So it's Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, Jordan in cleanup. Then probably Abreu, since he's hitting better. <laughs> then Tucker. Then Yiner. You're putting Tucker six? Tucker, Tucker six, Blummer. Dude, Jeremy, Jeremy Payne is going to be your He's going to be hitter. the eight-hole hitter. Now, Tucker is should be hitting fifth, but Dusty's going to split him up with a righty because that's what he does, right? So... You're talking about yeah. you're talking about the bottom third of your lineup potentially being Yiner Diaz, uh, <laughs> Jeremy Pena, and then somebody like Jolks or Debon or McCormick or Jake Myers. Like that's going to be your nine guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, that, that's a formidable lineup. Yes. I mean, that's a lineup where you're like, okay, the the World Series MVP is batting eighth. 
<laughs> or whatever it is. I mean, so, Dear I mean, yeah. So if, if they can get their lineup straight, you know, I think there's reason to be, to, to feel good. And then they're going to get Jose Kitty back. It seems like now pretty certain that he could be back mm-hmm. as soon as post all-star break. Right. So if that's the case, now you've, you've got mm-hmm. now all of a sudden your fifth starter is probably so it's going to be it'll be yeah your fifth would be Ty France oh my god I did it again Blummer good lord <laughs> just JP France damn man, it man you got a man crush on this Ty guy <laughs> I'm deeply in trouble um, J- so JP France is going to be your five <laughs> right and and now all of a sudden you've got like okay Renault yeah. Blanco could be your long reliever. Or you could go to a six-man rotation for a brief period of time if you've got a bunch of games in a row and not have to worry mm-hmm. so much about it. Uh, you know, it's we. I know we don't. Nobody wants to use injuries as an excuse because lots of teams have been injured. But this is a big deal. It is. It is a big deal because it's kind of interesting too in the fact that you know we're talking about you know pushing back a Fromber start. We're talking about maybe skipping. Possibly, I'm not. You know, this is just speculation that you possibly skip a, a Christian Javier. But how about the fact that the three best starters in your rotation currently have been Hunter Brown, J.P. France, and Renell Blanco in in the last couple of times through that rotation? That's what's amazing to me. And it's going to set up where you're going to get the Renell Blanco and the Hunter Brown to start off this series before you get to possibly you know a Christian Javier or somebody else and then a Framber Valdez. So it's kind of wild to think about. But if you start to add Urquidy into that mix and you talked about the bench, you know, removing some of the or the bench for the Astros getting a little bit deeper. How about the bullpen? getting a little bit deeper when you have to make the choice between an Urquidy, Renel Blanco, or, you know, somebody else in that rotation and you push them into the bullpen, all of a sudden your bullpen gets a little yeah. bit deeper too and you've got some more options. Yeah, the, the whole thing with injuries, like, again, I don't want to make excuses for anybody with injuries because the whole league is seem, seemingly dealing with it. But, uh, it, you know, you can't discount the fact that certain injuries to certain teams are going to have more uh, import and gravitas uh, than they than they do for others. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this Ranger series. Um, obviously, the Astros and and are going into it with kind of you know they're thro- <laughs> they're throwing Ronel Blanco and Hunter Brown to start, but like you said, they've been some of the Astros' best starters here recently. Um, their bullpen will come into this series rested uh, because of the because yep. of, of yesterday. Um, so. You know, the lineups, Gray obviously going first, Ovaldi second, uh, obviously going to be tough matchups for the Astros. Although Hunter Brown, Nathan Ovaldi matchup sounds kind of fun. I'll, I'm going to be at that That's game. Gonna I'm, 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 I'm going to be excited to see that one. What do you see setting up for the series? What are the Astros going to have to do uh, to beat the Rangers? I mean, I think they probably, if realistically, they need to take three out of four. Um, so that they can really set themselves up well after this. But, you know, what are the Astros going to have to do? They're going to have to beat John Gray in that first game. I think that's the biggest thing is if you're going to go into this place, it's going to be hostile. It's going to be loud. You know, finally, I mean, they've actually got a ball club up there that's warranting that (laughs) new stadium and filling it up. So hopefully they're drawing well. And I know the Astro (laughs) fans are going to represent. They're going to be there. But at the same time, I think that it's imperative to win that first game of this series because if you can beat John Gray, then all of a 
sudden you're going, okay, they just beat one of our best guys in our rotation. And the idea for me is keep that game close as long as you possibly can until you get John Gray out of there and then beat the hell out of that uh, bullpen. And if you can beat the hell out of that bullpen early, it puts a little more onus and a little more emphasis on the guys starting in those next couple of games for the Rangers. Because if they can't go deep and that bullpen continues to get used, continues to get abused, that's where the real weakness and Achilles heel for the Texas Rangers has been. It's been in that bullpen. So if you can knock the starter out, find a way to do that. And the Astros are going to do it by being disciplined at the plate, taking their walks, taking their base hits, and kind of have the same MO that they had against the St. Louis Cardinals, where they just create traffic and start to piss you off a little bit. Uh, that you know, defense starts to falter and you take advantage of extra outs that are, that are being given to you. Uh, you got to go out there and do it that way offensively before you get that big hit. Um, and then you've got to be able to uh, suppress the top part of that lineup for the Texas Rangers. That's the biggest thing for me is can you get through the first three, four guys in that road, in that lineup and go after the guys in the back half of that lineup and keep them down? Yeah, you're that the, the part you said about the I mean, everything you said is, is correct. But that part you said about the first four guys in the lineup, to me, you've got to, first of all, you've got to keep the ball in the yard. Uh, you cannot let them go long ball Absolutely. on you. That's a big, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they score so many runs and they score them in bunches. You've got to protect against the big inning. You've got to protect against the long ball. And those first four guys are going to be critical, right? To, you're just exactly right. I think you're right on mm-hmm. offense too. They got to wear them down. This has got to be, they've got to be as patient at the plate as they were against the Cardinals. It's going to be harder with guys like Gray and Evaldi who, who really do stay in the zone. But you're going to have to, you know, it's it's an, it's critical for them that they stay patient at the plate. Um, I will tell you this, Plummer, uh, it is definitely going to be rocking over the weekend. I think there's no question. Uh, and also, <laughs> I would not be attending a three o'clock afternoon game. Uh, in July, if this were still in that stupid ass pizza oven that they used to be in, I would. There is no chance. There's zero. Ch- First of all, Dallas people. If you're listening to this and you're not from Texas and you haven't been here, it's important to note that Dallas is much hotter than Houston. <laughs> Houston is close to the coast. Yes. So we get some coastal breezes. Yes, it's hot as hell in the summer and it's humid and, and sometimes it makes you feel like you want to die. But the reality is, is our normal high temperatures are low to mid 90s. Dallas gets up to 100 easy. Like not even, you know, like, in fact, <laughs> we were going to dinner mm-hmm. tonight at a place in Dallas. We were going to, we wanted to try this place, me and my buddy. And we found that the only seating they had was outdoors. Well, it's seven o'clock tonight. It's going to be ninety-eight degrees. Ooh. I'm not sitting outside. Are you crazy? So, uh, fortunately, my cousin mm-hmm. is a chef at another restaurant who knows the chef at this one, and he called him up and he gave us the hookup, <laughs> which is great. But I mean, yeah, that, got to. It's so hot there, and so playing. That's one thing I will say is at least we've erased that too for the teams. This is now, you know, this is not uh, advantage Rangers because, you know, they used to have at least, I mean, they weren't very good for a while, but they had the advantage of, they were used to playing in that just brutal heat. I mean, just brutal. And now we got indoors at Mimic Maid Park, as you like to refer to it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
It'll be, it'll be a pleasant, like 72 degrees or whatever it is. And so I, that's, I think that's a factor too. It's not going to wear these guys down nearly as much as it would have if they were playing under that awful North Texas sun. Yeah. The only thing you got to worry about if you're the, if you're uh, dusty Baker is how do you keep some of these guys legs off the turf as long as, as they're going to be out there for four games. That's the only thing you've got to worry about. Yeah. Cause I agree with you in the sense that Dallas is the perfect marriage between desert and tropical and it's not good it, it's not good at all it's 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 like a pizza oven is exactly <laughs> what not. it is because it just everything melts in here and i've played plenty of games in uh in arlington in that uh, hot box that you're talking about i've called games with a suit and tie on in the middle uh, of august which was the uh, most dumbest stupidest ooh. ludicrous thing i've ever done in my life um, but damn we looked good on tv for about a minute and a half <laughs> idiots but <laughs> You know, it, right? it, it's a controlled environment. It's it's a great ballpark. It's going to be a great venue, and I think it's going to attract more fans too. Because think about the fans having to sit through some of those games over the years. I can't imagine what it's been like trying to be a fan in Arlington, knowing that you're just going to absolutely just melt away about three quarters of your body weight in uh, liquids through your body. But. Um, <laughs> There was a game, I think, the, yeah. the first time we had a chance to broadcast in this ballpark. And now, obviously, you know, broadcasters are the last thought when you're building a ballpark. So we literally broadcast from the roof of this thing, and it's terrible. <laughs> but I asked TK, I kind of leaned over about the fifth or sixth inning. I said, hey, man, I go, when did this organization come into existence? And he rattled off, you know, whatever, 68, 16, whatever it was. And I'm like, it took them 48 years in this death heat to figure out they needed a roof. Unbelievable. I mean, they've had the Astrodome as their example since the 60s. And like it's and it's like what, 250 miles to the south? Yeah, then like, they built they built a football stadium with a roof before they built a base that, that plays oh. in winter, mind you, before they built a summer covered right. ballpark. I'm like, what? Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's pure insanity. I just keep thinking about the Oakland A's in, in Las Vegas. And I'm like, they better put a damn Dude. roof on that thing. I mean, that roof better come with the greatest insulation that's ever existed in the history of man. They should put mirrors to reflect the sunlight off the top. Yeah. There there has to be a reflective quality because if you Oof. just mirror if you imagine if they just made that thing clear and it just turned into like one of those death ray magnifying glasses and where all the ants underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly we're just lighting we're just lighting fires inside yeah. the stadium that's, that sounds like a bad disaster movie yeah. like something like you exactly. know it's after the total eclipse and you're like oh, yeah. you know it's like everyone running for cover just scrambling just, oh my god well well, Blummer, this is going to be a, a crazy I, – I think it's going to be a wild series because the truth is. of the matter is I don't think these teams like each other all – I don't think they like each other that mm -hmm. much either. You know, there's it's a rivalry for the team for – the, for the cities, certainly. Yeah. But I think it's also kind of a rivalry for – I mean, look, going back to that year when they didn't allow us to switch the series around after Harvey mm – -hmm. I think there's some animosity between these two teams. So I think it could get a little nasty. It could. I hope it doesn't get too nasty. I just hope it gets aggressive in the sense that these guys play right. extremely hard. You know, that's what would be a lot of fun for me to be able to watch and get the right. fans involved because, you know, when the Rangers do come back to Minute Maid Park eventually, it's going to be just as raucous there. So I think it's great for the fan base. I think it's great for the teams too because, you know, Nathaniel Lowe said earlier in the season that the division goes through them, you know, and he, 
up to this point, he's been correct. But at the same time, it's how you finish. It's not how you start. Yeah. And we're halfway through the season, and they've got a five-game lead, and the Astros are within striking distance. And I think these guys understand that. So hopefully they respond. And we've seen them in the past flip the switch, and maybe that, that switch gets flipped. Yeah, maybe so. We'll see. Well, Blummer, any final thoughts? Now you're in Dallas. I know you slept about – one hour approximately mm-hmm. are you going to get be able to get a nap before the night game i am going to go to my patented nappuccino after i fill out my scorecard i'm going to take a quick shot of espresso and then i'm going to take about a 30 minute nap and i'm going to pop up ready to kick ass <laughs> did you just call it a nappuccino <laughs> is that what the where did you come up with that yeah, that's tr- that's mine i'm trademarking that <laughs> I have a very good friend that does a lot of travel over to Europe and we had had conversations about how do you, how do you travel every three days? How do you do this? How do you do that? And, uh, she, she said that she's got uh, a certain uh, espresso that she goes to in in London or Paris or wherever she's at. And I just said, I take naps and we just kind of put it together. And I was like, dude, what if I take a shot of espresso and then lay down immediately and have that thing just kind of ferment in my boiler while I'm taking that nap. So when I wake up, it's like a, a rocket launcher. <laughs> and I'm ready to go. And it works. The Nappuccino. Ferment in your who ferment in your boiler. That might be a little too is graphic, one of the great but. descriptions. <laughs> it's just it's spectacular. It's absolutely spectacular. Well, that's a that's a new one, Blummer. Mm-hmm. I'm not I've not heard of that one before. I can see how that could work. I don't know how good it is for you. Hey, but I can see that it might work. It's for the team. <laughs> it, 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 Right. You're taking one for the team. That's right. Blummer's taking one for the team. As always, the unselfish teammate. (laughs) That's excellent. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll be back next week with a fresh pod brought to you by by Bet Online. Over the weekend, we will be diving into the belly of the beast, man. Mm -hmm. It's coming up. Shout out to my cousin, Matt, and his restaurant, Encina, which is in the Oak Cliff area of Dallas, will be... Uh, we'll be hosting us Saturday evening for some dinner after the ball game. Dude, I'm going to tell you right now, he has this thing where he does this smoked like roast beef ah. that just comes out in slices. It's one of the greatest things I've ever eaten in my life, and I'm not even a big roast beef guy. There you go. Like, it's just ridiculous. I like yes. it. Anyway, thanks very much to all our listeners and viewers all across the world. You guys have been great liking and subscribing, commenting. Super thankful for you guys. Have a great weekend. Also, a great 4th of July. Yeah, uh, which is up. obviously next Tuesday. Yeah, light, well, maybe don't light it up on my roof if possible. Um, you know, light it up safely. <laughs> don't yep. do not do like that video I posted the other day of the people <laughs> whose like literal entire front yard exploded. <laughs> try to keep, yeah, try to keep it down a little mm-hmm. bit. But yeah, light it up, have some fun, hang out by the pool, watch the Astros, listen to a nice podcast if you feel so inclined. Yep. Hit the like button you know, whatever. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good weekend. We will see you next week. Go Astros. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.